What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara, and with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we have finally got every team to play this weekend. It finally feels nice to uh, have the 4A and 5A uh, teams finally on the board and seeing what they're doing this year. Uh, How do you feel the weekend went overall, especially uh, according to our picks? Well, if you go and look back at our picks, I think a lot of the games kind of turned out how we thought they would be. But a couple of things stood out to me. One, the resilience of the Santa Cruz Dust Devils. That's one thing that we'll talk about later for sure. And then how the effects of the transfer rules are hurting a bunch of different teams in a way because a lot of those players are stuck on the sidelines and they're still trying to figure out how they're going to you know, go for the rest of the season with those players as they come in. Let's break down the first game, ALA Ironwood versus Globe. They actually beat them 32-6, to six, which is pretty close to what we imagined. I actually thought they would put up more against them. Um, but let's talk about QB Connor Mulp. He went 6-for-9 and 104 yards with one touchdown. He also had three carries for 37 yards. Aiden Williams had 14 carries himself, 124 yards, and one touchdown. He actually had a 30-yard long in that game, so that's pretty good for him. And then senior A.J. Villasenor had four carries, 60 yards, and two touchdowns. So he played a critical role in that win and making sure that they stayed a, you know, pretty far away from Globe. Um, Ashton Williams got two receptions, 44 yards, and a touchdown himself. And, of course, the boy Travis Mbuya had one touchdown, which came off of the one reception he got and 10 yards. So it was an overall a really good night for the Warriors. Yeah, and I finally uh, feel that you're starting to see what type of team ALA Ironwood is uh, compared to the, how they were last year. Lost a close game last week to Arizona Lutheran uh, by two points and then come in, uh, actually go into uh, Globe and pretty much shut down uh, the Globe Tigers, who was coming off a win themselves uh, the previous week. So I'm starting to like what I'm seeing with ALA Ironwood. One of the biggest things to me that I'm noticing is consistency. The same guys are stepping up week in and week out, you know, uh, whether it's Connor, uh, whether it's Aiden or even uh, guys like uh, AJ and and uh, Travis, like they they've all been really consistent, you know, no matter who is the highlighted player of that week, a lot of consistency there. And I like that. But how do you think things are going to go for them when they take on a pretty good uh, 4A team in Sierra Linda who uh, just came off a victory over Alhambra? How do you think that one's going to fare? I think that one's going to be a real good matchup. Uh, in the end, it's going to be a dogfight. And by saying it's going to be a dogfight, I kind of have to side with the Sierra Linda Bulldogs. And that's no knock against the Warriors. I think that the Warriors are going to have a good chance to make this a close competitive game. But if there's one thing that I've noticed in their last game against Arizona Lutheran, uh, they have a really tough time playing against really good competition. And that's one thing that Sierra Linda will bring to the table is very good competition. Yeah, Sierra Linda brings a very good uh, passing attack. Their uh, freshman quarterback threw for uh, 220 yards and five touchdowns. But, you know, they're playing a a team like Alhambra. Not very good, uh, you know, last year, showing that they're not going to be very good this year. But at the same time, uh, you know, I don't think Sierra Linda should take uh, ALA Ironwood lightly because as we've seen, they know how to stick around. And you know what I feel when you let a team stick around for far too long, they can sneak out victories. And we've seen that happen this year. But at the same time, I think that ALA uh, Ironwood needs to put a lot of pressure on this freshman quarterback, get them rattled and 
you might see them uh, sneak out a victory. I'm going to give the edge, though. Uh, I'm going to side with you and give it to Sierra Linda just based off experience, them being a pretty decent uh, 4A school. And uh, you, But you know what? We'll see what happens uh, this Friday. It's, I know it's going to be a good one. Either way, like uh, LA Ironwood is definitely coming to play this year. And if they get by them, how much do you think they get by them? By three or less or more? I'd say uh, ALA Ironwood will keep it within seven. Okay. Uh, I think it would be that close of a game, too. Uh, so let's move on into uh, our next team, which is Sequoia Pathway, who hosted the uh, Tombstone uh, Yellow Jackets. Sequoia was victorious, winning 32-14 to 14 on the night. And they actually uh, happened to have a lot of players out. I know you had mentioned the transfer portal. How do you feel that the transfer portal affected this game? The transfer rules definitely played a huge factor in this game because when we were talking to Bill, our uh, Sequoia Pathway correspondent, he had let us know that a bunch of key players were out of this game. Elijah Woods, Kevin McIntosh, Michael Luna, and a couple of other kids. But this game, it, it in the end, it kind of hurts the players because uh, when you look back at the transfer rules, the game is they have to sit out five games on the sideline. And if you're a senior, that's super crucial for you in your final playing year as far as getting film and, and getting looked at to play at the next level. And I think that's something that needs to be reevaluated and, and definitely shortened possibly to two to three games because five games is 50% of the season, and that's only the regular season. So it's really tough for these kids and the, the coaching staffs to try to um, work their teams around how these players are going to be available, and especially – they have these uh, hoops that they have to jump through to appeal, and sometimes those don't work out. And I, I, I definitely think it's something that needs to be reevaluated. But going into how they played out, let's start off with quarterback Vinny Sanchez. He went four for five, had 56 yards and one touchdown. And then their running back, Norian Banks, had 19 carries, 253 yards, and he rushed into the end zone for two touchdowns. So that's a really good night for those two. And you know the defense held it down, but there wasn't a lot to show for it as far as stats on Max Preps. Yeah, I thought overall with the the players that they did have available, yeah, it wasn't the prettiest of victories, but they were able to get through it, and that's what good teams do is they find a way to win no matter who's playing or who's out. But going into this next game, uh, they're going to play a very, very tough Wilcox team who currently sits at 2-0 and and just had victories over Gilbert Christian and Benson and beat them both pretty decisively. Do you think Sequoia Pathway, with the players out or whoever's playing, will have a chance to compete with Wilcox? They have a lot of fight in that team. They have a lot of uh, reason to push forward. And I don't know if you've heard, but their game against Trivium Prep gets uh, counted as a forfeit because some of those players that I mentioned before actually played in that game. And it's unfortunate, but I don't know if the other players that are going to be sitting in for them will actually be able to withstand the experience that they're going to be faced against because that's one thing that Wilcox will bring to the table is a lot of experience. And I feel like if, if Sequoia Pathway isn't careful, they'll expose that early yeah especially with Wilcox being at home having the home crowd it's definitely a tough environment to play in uh we've seen uh how well they fare in the playoffs and you know I believe they were right in the mix of things I, I think they were a semi-finalist mm -hmm. uh, in the two-way uh, playoffs last year but at the same time like you said Sequoia pathway they bring the fight they're not going to back down from nobody no matter how, if they're playing with 11 kids or if they're playing with 40 kids, they're going to go and put out their best 11 to try and compete with Wilcox. And I think you're going to see a game that, like you said, it can get away very quickly. But I want to see people like Norian Banks, 
who had a hell of a game uh, against Tombstone. Can he repeat that against better competition? And you're going to see what type of player he is and his brother uh, Kyrese as well. But the one person I want to see, and I know that everything's going to run through Norian to kind of take the relief off of uh, Vinny. But can Vinny execute with the amount of plays they're going to give him to throw the ball downfield and be able to catch uh, Wilcox off guard, especially if Norian has so much success in the run game? But at the end of the day, I am going to stick with my original pick. And that was uh, that Wilcox was going to be Sequoia Pathway. I'm going to definitely be keeping my eye on this one, though. Yeah, the first few minutes of this game are going to be very telling whether they're on offense or defense to see how they can withstand the attack from the Wilcox Cowboys. Well, let's keep things moving on into the Santan schools, uh, which was Santan Foothills taking on Santan Charter. And uh, this one, man, it was a high scoring game, 89 points in total. uh, But Santan Foothills put the pressure on Santan Charter, uh, picking up the victory. 56 to 33 and man they had a lot of players on uh, the foothill side who uh, stepped up big Uh, who were some of your standouts for that game yeah you mentioned it one player that actually stood out a lot and and I don't know if you heard what we said about him last week but he definitely showed out this week he went nine for 11 had 139 yards and three touchdowns with zero interceptions the young man I'm speaking about is young Dalton Norman he showed himself out there and actually proved why he's at starting QB. Mm-hmm. Um, going into uh, the other players, let's talk about Eugenio Sandoval. He had 13 carries, 215 yards, and had one touchdown. Elijah Fields had two receptions, 51 yards, and two touchdowns in the game. Emilio Soto had nine carries, 103 yards, and two touchdowns. Austin Maselli had eight carries and two touchdowns. So the ball was spread out a lot on the offensive side. And and it proved fruitful for Foothills. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest things, too, was uh, it was a more of a quieter game uh, from Elijah Fields on the defensive end. But that didn't mean that Santan Charter was going to score all over uh, Santan Foothills because of that. Because you had David uh, Roboloth, who uh, had uh, double digit tackles as well as two crucial interceptions uh, that kind of helped uh, Santan Foothills continue to rack up those points on the offensive end. So you know what? I won't name the player, but we did get a message uh, with the little laughing emoji when we had our way too early power rankings. And, you know, my whole response was, yeah, you're not only proving us wrong, you're proving the whole entire state wrong. You know, like nobody gave the team an opportunity to do what they're doing three games into this season. They've already have more wins in three games this year than they did all of last season. So I got to give it up to Santan Foothills. But at the same time, now they're coming into a game where they're going to have to play perfect football. There's no more mistakes on the offensive end. There's no giving up 30 plus points on the defensive end because they're going to take on a team uh, like Apache Junction. And before we uh, go into who we have for that game, why don't we jump into Apache Junction's uh, Friday night matchup as they took on Estrella Foothills? How do you feel that game went for the prospectors? That game went exactly how we thought it would go. I know that they have a lot of things that they would like to work out because a struggling team like Estrella Foothills being able to put 14 points up on the prospectors, a little bit sus. And we'll see how that turns out for the rest of the year. 
First game jitters, man. Yeah, you, 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 we both knew it was bound to happen. Uh, but let's talk about some players that stood out. Gavin Limongello went 7 for 9 and 81 yards. The kid had three touchdowns, and two of those were rushing touchdowns. Isaiah Savoy had 14 carries, 225 yards, and three rushing touchdowns himself. Ben Valenzuela had four receptions, 61 yards, and one touchdown. It was an overall good game from the prospectors. That's how you want to come out when when Pinal Central ranks you the number one team in, in the county. And I think they did just that. This is going to be a really good year for the prospectors. And all that digging, by the end of the year, they just might find gold. Man, you took the words right out of my mouth, man. I was going to compare them uh, to what Pinal Central had them at, and they're living up to it. Granted, Estrella Foothills isn't a, a team you're going to sit there and say, oh, yeah, you know what? They beat a pretty good team. But at the same time, they took care of business and did it decisively. And I know that them 14 points that they gave up uh, this week, they're going to try to go for nil coming up this week against uh, Santan Foothills. But how do you see this one? You have a Santan Foothills team that's building a lot of confidence that is showing out and showing that, you know what? Everybody was wrong about them. And then you have what some consider the number one team in Pinal Central. What is your prediction for this game? I feel like it's going to be a really, really close game. Um, the way Santan Foothills defense is just doing their thing right now, it will cause a roadblock for AJ a little bit. But the one thing that I do see happening is AJ has a really strong quarterback. They have a, uh, they didn't throw a lot this last game, but I feel like they will expose that Santan defense if they need to. And if not, that run game is going to be really tough. It's going to, like I said, it's going to be really telling on how good this Santan uh, Foothills defense is going to be. We've seen what they've done so far, but now they're going to have their real, their first real test in Apache Junction. Yeah, I think that's the biggest X factor right there for both teams. Can Santan Foothills' great defense stop Apache Junction's high-scoring offense? And I'm going to have to side uh, with Apache Junction on this uh, just because of that three-headed monster that they have at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver positions. I mean, those guys, you know, what they did last year as a sophomore and juniors, I feel that Gavin is going to want to have a better year this year than he did last year, being that he's a senior. I think that the key to helping Santan Foothills is going to be can they stop the pass? We know what Isaiah can do in the backfield, and he proves it game in and game out. But don't don't sit there and think that Apache Junction cannot pass the ball because they definitely can and they will. And I think that that's going to be the biggest thing to look forward to uh, this week is can Santan Foothills secondary or even their front line put enough pressure on uh, Apache Junction's offense to try and slow them down because – like I said, I mean, they can score at will and they will. And they're they're here to prove that even though I may have had Post and Butte number one, that they're the real number one. And they're going to go out and try to show that this Friday. All right. With all that being said, who do you take winning this game, Apache Junction or Santan Foothills? I got to keep it with the original, man. I, I'm going to take Apache Junction. And that's just due to the amount of experience that they have. And like I said, I will not sit there and say that. Santan Foothills is going to fold by any means because they won't, but it's just the experience of Apache Junction and to show that they're not no one hit wonder, you know, and do good all year long just to get bounced out of the first round. They're here to prove that they're the team to beat in for it. What about yourself? No, I reflect those sentiments myself. I, I feel like AJ will win this one. But again, this is no knock against Santan Foothills. 
this is not the same team that I was talking about like a few episodes ago where I was like, it was almost like blatant disrespect, I'll be honest, to the Santan Foothills Sabercats saying that they were going to lose pretty much every game and they're coming out strong this season. They're not, they, they said it themselves, they are not the same team that's on the other side of the mountain. These kids are for real this year. Um, I would be really surprised if Santan Foothills pulls this one out, but I won't be too surprised. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it would be, a great showing of how strong this team is. And maybe, I don't know, maybe AJ has a slip up this weekend. Maybe it does give Santan the edge, but that's the only way I see it happening. The prospectors seem really, really hungry. And I, I don't see them, you know, causing, or I don't see them having too many mistakes. Well, if that happens, I'll say right now, watch out uh, the rest of the 3A Central. Cause if they, if they pull this victory out and I'm speaking of Santan Foothills, it's going to make the rest of those uh, conference games very, very interesting. Scary hours. But let's move on into uh, the Combs Coyotes who took on the St. Mary's Knights. And uh, this one actually had to uh, be rescheduled uh, to Saturday morning uh, due to uh, a big dust storm that came in. I mean, we almost got hit by it uh, down in Casa Grande. But uh, apparently they had uh, some power issues. So this game took place at 930 in the morning on Saturday. And it was actually a lot closer than what I had thought. You know, I really thought that St. Mary's was going to come out and dominate. And that wasn't the case this week. No, not at all. Like you mentioned, that monsoon weather caused a lot of trouble this past week. And and it, and it caused this game to get rescheduled. Um, one thing that you mentioned, it was a really close game. But it had a lot of costly turnovers. Um St. Mary's run game is ultimately what kept them in the game and had them walking away winners. Um, but at the same time, Tanner Hale's arm was a really good bright spot for the Coyotes. Um, they were down in the beginning and ended up coming back to make it a really interesting game. I feel if they get the miscommunication cleaned up before their next matchup, they might walk away winners. And and talking about their next matchup, which is going to be with the Coolidge Bears, it's going to be a very interesting one if the Bears take the Combs Coyotes lightly. Oh, without a doubt. And reading in uh, Pinal Central about what uh, Coach uh, Hoagland had to say about his team, he said it was a lot different trying to get your team uh, prepared for an early morning matchup, especially with the mentality that you were going to play last night and try to keep them motivated and and stay the course on what the task at hand was, and which was uh, trying to pick up a victory against a really good 4A team in St. Mary's. But at the same time, like, they proved that they can hang with the, uh, you know, some of the best of them. And I didn't expect that at all. And, you know, for a coach to say, hey, we didn't play our best and to only lose by six points, that says a lot. And so, you know, like you said, their next matchup is against uh, the Coolidge Bears. Coolidge needs to come and play, you know, especially especially on their performance against uh, Santa Cruz. I think the Coyotes um, may come into uh, Larry Delbridge Stadium and try to say, hey, we ain't the same team you probably played a couple years ago. So, you know, it's going to be a very good game, like you said. Uh, but what do you feel uh, with this game is going to be the X factor for either team to pick up a victory between uh, Coolidge and Combs? For Combs, they're just going to need to ride that momentum. Granted, it wasn't a winning effort that they put up against St. Mary's. But like you said, St. Mary's is a battle-tested team. We saw them get taken out by a last-minute field goal by Josh Villa. And it was a hell of a way to go out. So... For them to bounce back in this first game of the season against a really, really tough team like Combs, it shows what, you know, Coolidge has uh, to look forward to. I think, I, well, no, I don't think, I know I had Coolidge winning this game because I had them going undefeated. So 
I'm going to stick with my pick and say Coolidge pulls this one out and defends Larry Delbridge Stadium successfully. Yeah, I believe I had uh, Coolidge winning this one as well. Do I still feel that way coming into Friday? And you can see my fingers right now. I'm putting it by the smallest of margins if they can pull this victory out. One of the things I needed to see about Coolidge was can they take care of business against teams that they're supposed to? And granted, yes, it was a rivalry game. But at the same time, it was a team that I thought they were going to win 61 to 16 like they did the previous week. Coolidge needs to come out and put all the pieces together finally. I don't think they've played a complete game yet because I don't think that they wanted to give up 16 points to a 10P team. But at the same time, I'm going to still stick with Coolidge. I think that they're starting to find their stride as far as uh, what the running game is providing them. And I feel that uh, Ethan is comfortable enough to finally lead this team and has the respect, especially from us, that he can go out there and win a ball game for his team. And so, like I said, I need Coolidge to come out, play the best game that they've played, because if not, Combs is going to come in here and, you know, they're going to give him a rude awakening. But I will stick with Coolidge on this week. But you know what? Um, before we move into uh, Santa Cruz's upcoming matchup, let's go over the Coolidge and Santa Cruz game since it's on the top of my mind right now. And the game didn't start off the way we had expected. It was eight to zero at halftime. And me and you are looking at each other like, what is going on? And we can say, you know, that Coolidge had a few turnovers here, or you know, what it's a rivalry game and you know it's gonna be a close game no matter what. But one of the things I've got to say about this game was that I give Santa Cruz a big round of applause and I Man, I can't say enough of what they did competing against an experienced team like Coolidge. Because even though they didn't put up any points, one of the biggest takeaways is that they drastically improved from the previous week. And what did I say? As long as you're doing that, you're going to build confidence in this team and that they may steal a victory. If Coolidge doesn't add uh, two more touchdowns to that game, how shocked would we have looked if Coolidge only snuck out an 8-0 to zero victory? But, you know, like I said, I, I, I think I got to give more praise to uh, Santa Cruz for what they did compared to hearing how bad of a game Coolidge played, especially in the first half. No, you're not even lying. Santa Cruz fought the entire game. It was something that we didn't expect, but at the same time with them being at home, we kind of thought that that home crowd would have a huge factor on the game, and obviously it did. Um, like you said, Coolidge needs to clean it up, but they did have a really decent game. Let's talk about a few stats and, and players that stood out. Ethan Ramirez went 8 for 15, had 107 yards, and had two touchdowns in the air. Belkham Namgambe had six carries, 35 yards, and one touchdown. And D'Angelo Miles had one touchdown himself. Um, and the other touchdown that Ethan threw went to Gage. And it was a, a, a not necessarily a silent night, but a, not the usual outcome that we were totally expecting. Yeah, and I think the biggest uh, surprise for me was that the three rushers for Coolidge, uh, which was uh, Belkham, uh, Javante, and uh, Maurice Glass, for me to see them all under 100 yards was the biggest surprise for me because I thought that they could have easily each rushed for 100 yards if I'm you know going to be completely honest here but you know Maurice ended up finishing uh, as a team leader that night with 84 yards 
But like I said, uh, it's something that they got to clean up uh, going uh, forward. But let's go into uh, who Santa Cruz is going to be taking on uh, this Friday as they're going to be uh, traveling uh, to North Point to take on the Falcons. Uh, currently, uh, the Falcons are 0-2 on the year. Uh, do you think that Santa Cruz can finally get into the win column this week? Well, one thing's for sure. They definitely have that opportunity this game. Um, will they? That's a huge question mark. That that they have they have to have something in them to to want to win. Right now, that's something that I'm seeing that's missing is the want to win. Yeah, everybody wants to go out there and play, but I'm not seeing that will to win. Once I see that, which I it, it might it might be this game, it might be built after this game. But once I start to see that and, and you read about it, you hear about it, you start to feel it whenever you start to communicate with these players, then I'll see it happening. But I think my original pick was the Dust Devils and I'm not going to go against that pick because I want to show faith in them. So I'm going to say the Dust Devils pull this one out against the North Point Falcons. I think with what you just said, Santa Cruz is going to go out there and probably try to prove you wrong. You know, seeing that fight. I felt that they brought the fight finally. The game against Coolidge, even though they didn't put up any points, it was the most fight I've seen them have all year. Now it's time to just start executing. The reason I uh, brought up this team's record at being 0-2 on the year is uh, they have not scored in the two matchups that they've played. Santa Cruz has only scored 12 points in three matchups that they've played. So you got two teams that are struggling. Who has that fire to try and put the ball in the end zone finally? And to me, I think that Santa Cruz has the best opportunity because they've been there before. They've scored in their first two games. And I think that going up against a team like North Point is going to finally give them that confidence to say, hey, you know what? We may be inexperienced, but we can definitely go out there and play with the best of them. So to me, I actually think that Santa Cruz might win by two touchdowns, maybe more. And and I'm going to stick with them, man. I mean, a team who's given up 111 points and has a big zero to answer for that. I, I finally think that Santa Cruz gets over that hump and starts moving in the right direction after this. Let's hope so. I'm actually I'm, I'm all aboard the Dust Devil train right now. So let's move into our uh, game of the week, which was the Casa Grand Cougars taking on the Maricopa Rams. Uh, this game um, was what we expected, you know, coming off of last year, winning 55 to zero against Maricopa. Casa Grande did it once again uh, and won 42 to zero. How do you see uh, both teams and the way that their seasons are going to play out? Um, looking at both teams, I would like to say that Maricopa is about where I thought they would be. Um, they're going to be a team that's plagued with a bunch of issues as far as transfers. We saw them run through two quarterbacks. Obviously, it's unfortunate because an injury that occurred and it, it put young Mr. Nor into the game. But overall, for Cats Grand, I see them excelling. This was a team that had a lot of fight on their sideline. Um, not a very large crowd that we're used to in Castle Grand, but it didn't matter about that. They still put up 40 points on a struggling Maricopa team, and they didn't allow them to score. There, It could have been a much higher scoring game. They had a lot of th uh, touchdowns. They had a lot of touchdowns called back because of penalties, and that's one thing that 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 I feel that Castle Grand is going to have to control is their penalties. They, if they want to compete in this elite level that they're in in the 5A region and and conference, they need to control their penalties because a lot of these refs aren't forgiving and and they hear the things and the reputation of Casa Grande. So they think that, you know, kind of negative of these players when in, in all reality, you and I both know these are a great group of kids. And I think that 
they're going to have a really, really good year, but it's going to be a tale of two stories, and Maricopa is just going to have a really, really bad year. Well, we know that there wasn't uh, any stats uh, inputted on Max Preps for Casa Grande as of yet, uh, but th- was there any players that uh, you no- uh, noted from Friday that stood out to you? Yeah, quite a bit. Let's talk about the elusiveness of Fatty. Fatty can move out there, and it's not a matter of his feet because you know that he can get that first down if he needs to on his own, but at the same time, his vision and being able to sling that ball across the field and get it on point to his receivers, it, it was phenomenal. I look forward to seeing what he does this year. I mean, it sucked last year him being in crutches the whole entire season on the sideline, but it, it's apparent that he kept a watchful eye on what Angel was doing out there, and he's doing a hell of a job to mimic him, obviously in a different jersey, but it, it, he's doing a really, really good job under center. Yeah, he did a fantastic job for his first start on the varsity level. Um, I think that, you know, we expected uh, DK to do what he does. And I mean, I think he should have finished with about five touchdowns. He he started adding it up for us, uh, you know, every time he come off the sideline. But definitely one of the top uh, wide receivers I've seen so far this year. But, you know, this guy is coming in where he's the man now. He's the senior and gets to show out even more. And I think already from what I've captured uh, about him so far, he's better than last year and he's hungrier. You know, even though he's coming off a state championship, he wants to prove everybody that he is the best wide receiver in the state. And a lot of people better uh, be careful uh, trying to shut him down, especially one-on-one. We've seen a a lot of uh, the Rams uh, cornerbacks, I mean, they were getting burnt left and right uh, by him. But, you know, there was a player, uh, though, that caught my eye, especially very early on. And uh, that's uh, number 10, uh, Dontrell Harris. I seen him with two crucial plays uh, before he uh, had to uh, be taken out due to injury. And uh, that was the one where uh, Fatty was scrambling out to uh, the Casa Grande sideline and threw the ball to him. And what did he juke? About three, four guys uh, mm-hmm. before uh, getting tackled. I was like, oh, man. And and uh, to find out that he's a, a transfer from Chicago and I didn't really know much about him. He had such a fire under him. Like, you know what? He's here to prove something. And, you know, he probably knows about what Casa Grande just did last year. And so he wants to have a little taste of that himself. But the key play, which I think got everything going for Casa Grande, was uh, when they went for it. uh, I think they were getting ready to do like kind of a a fake punt type of play. And he fumbled the snap. Mm -hmm. And he picked it up, scrambled like if uh, I, I thought I was watching NFL Street. As he's scrambling to the sideline, he breaks about five or six tackles and carries the dude into the end zone. And I was like, okay, this this is what this team is bringing this year. These type of players. Casa Grande definitely proved a lot of things to me that I was nervous about. Of course, they got to clean up uh, the penalties. And that will happen uh, throughout the year. I think they're going to get that fixed. But just be careful with this team, man, because they are definitely determined to show that they're in the 5A for uh, for a reason now. And you know what? They know what they've been hearing. They know what people have been saying about them, but they don't care. They're coming out game in and game out to shut everybody up. And as of week one, they've already done that. Yeah, you're right. They have been listening to what everybody's been saying. And one thing I took away from Coach Mark Luna's uh, postgame speech was question marks. I went back and watched that Pinal Central segment where they did say that Castle Grand is a team that has a lot of question marks. And Mark said it himself, question marks, question marks, you boys turn those question marks into exclamation points. And that 
they exactly did. And a lot of those question marks that they figured out was, um, we talked about it early in the season, uh, that Nate Long was going to be vying for a spot in in the backfield for the running back. But one thing we did notice is that he got his big opportunity in the slot where he ended up having that huge catch at the end that was ultimately the final touchdown of the game. Oh, yeah. Uh, Castagran, I mean, they're going to continue to do what they do uh, week in, week out. Uh, they're going to be taking on uh, Fairfax this week. Uh, Fairfax is coming off a 34-0 uh, victory off of uh, La Jolla community. So both teams are coming off of shutout victories. Do you think that Fairfax has a chance against Casagrande this week? Or, uh, you know, does Casagrande have to be worried about Fairfax? Well, they're not a team that they should take lightly at all. And I think that Casagrande has... A lot. It's not even leftover swag. It's just continual swag. I think that they're going to go into this game and just not necessarily beat the snot out of Fairfax, but they're going to run that ball and they're going to have them on their heels because they're not going to know whether they're going to hit them over the top with an attack in the air or if they're going to run it right by them because they have every opportunity, like you said, a three-headed monster and the Cougars have an excellent one. And it's going to be a really tough time for Fairfax to stop that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that Casa Grande, uh, even though they played a team that's struggling like Maricopa, they went out and put an exclamation point down like you had just uh, spoken about what Coach Luna was saying. And I think they're going to do the same thing to Fairfax. So I'm going to stick with my original pick and uh, pick Casa Grande. Uh, it sounds like you're going with Casa Grande as well. Mm-hmm. But let's go into uh, Maricopa's next matchup. I mean, coming off of a 42 to zero loss. They have to turn around and go play a tough, tough Mesquite team. How do you see this one faring? Not good for the Maricopa Rams. Not good. Uh, we we know the Mesquite Wildcats to be a really, really tough team. They're not a team that falls off for any any reason. And, and I see the Maricopa Rams having a very, very tough time containing the Wildcats. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be an easy game for uh, Maricopa. I mean, they're a team that, to me... They have to answer a lot of questions. You know, what kind of identity do they have? And I didn't feel that they had one. I believe they only had a total of 41 yard total yards uh, Friday night. So I think it starts with trying to get some kind of momentum, trying to get something going. And it's I mean, it's not the game that you want it to be against, you know, playing Mesquite, but go out there and, you know, improve every game like we said you know what we said about santa cruz it's not about winning all the time you know yeah uh at the high school level it kind of is but when you're a program that's used to being at the bottom you have to get these little small victories in order to build confidence with your team and i think that's all they need they need these little small victories whether that's scoring a touchdown this week whether that's, you know, having a 100-yard rusher, 100-yard passer, anything to sit there and say, hey, you know what, coming into game three, we're going to be better than we were in game two and in game one. And so, you know, I'm going to go, of course, with Mesquite on this one. Um, But I just, that's what I want to see out of Maricopa is try to get some of these small victories and build a little bit of confidence in your team because you never know what's going to happen uh, you know, the rest of the year, you may be able to sneak out a couple of victories. And I just hope that that's the case for them. 
Uh, but let's move into uh, Post and Butte. They traveled uh, to take on the Higley Knights. And man, this game, I wish we could have been there or at least been able to watch it somehow. Uh, because according to uh, Anthony uh, Pistorio, he was asking if we were even at that game because of just how unreal and back and forth this game went. Uh, of course, Higley ended up uh, taking the victory 50 to 43. And I know that's not the way uh, Post and Butte wanted to start the season, but man, did they show that they can compete with a very good 5A team. They definitely did. And you mentioned Anthony Pistorio. Let me talk. Let me tell you exactly what he said. And I quote, it was an amazing game for sure. Two tough teams that battled the entire game. Post and Butte gave Higley a run for their money the whole game. And both teams are stacked with talent. Poston is going to be a powerhouse this year. Despite the loss, they proved... They still got it this year. Just when you thought each team had the upper hand on another, the other team quickly came right back with the pressure on the other team. Poston's run game is scary good, but their pass game is a little underrated. When they need to, they get big plays out of their pass game. Higley and Poston are going to be both powerhouses in their respective divisions for sure this year. One of my top games of the week, in my opinion. And if you look at how that game turned out stat-wise, it, it was exactly that. But one thing that was really standing out to me was the amount of penalties. Post and Butte had 10, where Higley had 3. The amount of plays that each team were pretty close. I think one it was 60, the other one was 62. And they had uh, pretty much equal first downs with 19 and 20. But let's talk about players on the Post and Butte side. Max Larson went 8 for 11, had 86 yards. And, and if you look at their running back, Gavin Thrower had 28 carries, 259 yards, and four touchdowns. They had a lot of reason to stick around in this game. And, and, and like Anthony said, it, it, when one team looked like they were, they had the complete upper hand, the other team just came back. So it was a great game to be at. Ja'Kai Robertson had five carries, 37 yards, and a touchdown himself. Aiden Contreras uh, contributed into this game, had eight carries, 87 yards, and one touchdown. It, it was a great game for the Post and Butte Broncos, but it was just unfortunate that it didn't end in their favor. Yeah, especially with the high hopes I had uh, for uh, Poston going undefeated. It did uh, sadden me to see that they did lose, but man, did they prove what kind of team that they have, especially going up against Higley. I feel that even though there's an L in that box score, you know, at the end of the game, Poston is going to show... For one, can you stop our rushing attack? And a number two, with the amount of penalties and, you know, the amount of mistakes that are bound to happen week one and for them to give up 43 points, they have a lot more to improve on and they're going to only get better. That's the scary part. They've already put up 50 points against a really good team. What are they going to do for the rest of the season when they're playing 4A competition or like this week when they play uh, a 3A team like Round Valley. We can kind of get off of uh, the loss that they had and kind of move forward into their upcoming matchup with Round Valley. I don't think Round Valley has a chance in this game. You know, I feel that what Thatcher did to them in week one, winning 42 to 14, it's only going to make Post and Butte score that much worse. Because I think that after this loss, and how much, you know, they fought to try to sneak out the victory because they were almost there. They, they were right there in the fourth quarter. We, we said it ourselves. The game was going back and forth the whole time. Like, how is this thing going to end? Coming in and taking on a Round Valley team 
uh, who has to travel a far distance to come down here uh, to Santan Valley. Poston Butte's probably going to win by, I think, about six touchdowns. I think Poston Butte's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be by six touchdowns at all. I think maybe the travel will have a little bit of effect on Round Valley, but not six touchdowns worth. I, I, I'm saying maybe two or three, but this is definitely a game where Poston Butte needs to put all their 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 cards together and and go out there and and lay them all down. This is a team that you can't lose against, especially with them being a 3A team. You just played a tough game against the Higley Knights. You you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by by underperforming and and losing to a 3A team. So I think this is a game where Post and Butte bounce back. So you think it's going to be a lot closer then, huh? Yeah, I do. The only reason I don't think so is because Round Valley only put up 20 points against St. John's. St. John's is not very good this year. They're 0-2. Thatcher beat them, like I said, pretty decisively, 42-14, to and that's a 3-18. Now you're coming in with the, with the runners-up from the 4A championship last year who are coming off a heartfelt loss. I just think that Poston is going to come out and lay the smackdown uh, on Friday night. I that, that's just my prediction, you know. Like I said, I respect you, you know, giving uh, Round Valley that much uh that much credit to come out and compete with uh Poston, but I don't know, man. I just think that coach Thompson out there is going to have his boys ready to play, especially being the home opener. So good good luck uh, to Round Valley and of course uh you know posting I have the confidence you're going to do what you guys do best. Obviously and, if you're saying they're going to put up an easy 40 burger on them. I I don't know really I that that's just the way I'm feeling man cuz like I said I know what it feels like to lose those close games and then it just fires you up for the next week and it's just kind of like I I wouldn't expect anything less for them from them. But uh let's move into um one of the final games uh, from the weekend, uh, which was the Vista Grande Spartans taking on the Marcos Denise uh, Padres up at uh, NAU in the Sky Dome was definitely not what we expected. You know, actually the complete opposite of what I was expecting from uh, Vista Grande. But what do you think went wrong in this game for, uh, for the Spartans? Everything. Everything went wrong. There was nothing that actually went right for them at halftime. Marcos Deniza was up 24 to zero. By that time, I, I think we were getting ready for our draft and, and I was at work at the same time. So it was really tough, but watching that, it, it was, it was really one of those head scratching moments where we, I couldn't comprehend what was going on. I couldn't tell if it was the elevation, if it was the difference in, in or the unfamiliarity in the, you know, in the area, because I don't think uh, Vista has ever been up into that area actually to play, but it was a great opportunity for him, but just not the outcome that they were wanting. It, it was a really tough game to, to, to look at because you and I both said it to ourselves. Like, how do we talk about a 41-0 loss? Because there's going to be a lot of stuff to improve on, but we don't want to make it seem like these boys did a bad job out there. And for me, I think I still don't know what kind of team they're going to have this year. They only put up 81 total yards. You know, we were expecting so much more, uh, you know, of course, from uh, Fernando, who happened to get knocked out of the game, I believe, in the second quarter. And to sit there and see the the amount of inexperience or lack of executing plays for four straight quarters, it, it was it was really tough to watch, like you said. And I don't know if they're going to be able to find that identity uh, this upcoming week. We have to still uh, check with Coach Roberts on the amount of injuries that accumulated over that game, uh, because not only did they have injuries, 
but I believe that they have uh, players sitting out uh, who were transfers uh, from Heritage Academy out in Maricopa. It's a team that we definitely had high expectations for. I know that they're not going to let this game hang over their head uh, for too long because uh, they got to turn around and uh, play a tough 3A team in the Florence Gophers uh, this Friday night at home. They need to find their way really quick or things can go south very fast uh, for Vista. I don't expect it to. I do uh, think that they're going to figure things out. But what Marcos Deniza did to them, it was kind of like, man, where do you go from here? So, you know, but uh, going into uh, this Friday's game, I mean, I think we both had Vista Grande in our early predictions uh, taking this victory. Do you still feel the same way uh, coming into uh, this matchup now? I don't. I, I I feel like Florence is the clear favorite to win this one right now. They're they're on another level right now with their focus. And that's one thing that I see Vista lacking right now is focus. Um maybe a lot can change in a few days. I, I I don't know. And maybe these injuries that happened weren't really necessarily injuries. It's just a couple of players that got banged up. And and I wish them all the best and, and I hope they return when we get to go there to watch them play the gophers. But the way that these gophers play, spend their time and and their free time, they're going to see other games and seeing their competition to get a close eye on them. And and based on the way Anthony was talking about when he was there, they're not taking any of their competition lightly, whether or not they're playing them or not. They're keeping a close eye on everybody in the county to see who's who. And the gophers are, are for real this year. This is not going to be a game that they're going to lose. The gophers take this one over the Spartans. You know, I think that the Gophers has proved me wrong for two straight weeks. Granted, they had a um, they had a bye week uh, this past week with the forfeit uh, from Veritas Prep, but that just means that they had another week to stay healthy to improve on things. And I feel that they have a really good chance to win this week. Depending on the health of Vista, will determine this outcome. I think that if they can at least have Fernando get back in the lineup and uh, try to figure out who's going to be their starting quarterback going forward, I still feel that Vista has a chance. And so with that, I'm going to stick with them because, like I said, I put so much hype into them. And, you know, I don't want to sit there and jump ship just after a week one loss like that. You know, um, so I'm going to stick with Vista this week. But I do feel that Florence has a very good chance to pick up the victory. But man, it's like I said, from week to week, it seems like these picks are getting harder and harder. You know, both a lot of teams this year, especially the ones we didn't expect, are now uh, playing, you know, up to the potentials of a, te- a lot of teams we held uh, to a higher standard. And so, you know, these uh, picks are not going to get any easier as the season progresses. But why don't we uh, recap all the games uh, for this upcoming week? And we can uh, make our picks on that one. So Sierra Linda uh, traveling to ALA Ironwood. Uh, We both uh, picked uh, Sierra Sierra Linda for that one. Sequoia Pathway uh, traveling to Wilcox. Uh, We both had uh, Wilcox uh, taking that victory. Apache Junction hosting Santam Foothills. We're both uh, taking AJ. Coolidge versus Combs. We're both going to take Coolidge on that one. Santa Cruz uh, Valley uh, traveling to uh, North Point Prep. I'm taking a uh, Santa Cruz uh, Valley and you so you are as well. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I just want to make sure because you were a little bit hesitant over there earlier. I was like, oh, man, is he going to uh, finally switch it up? But uh, then you have uh, Maricopa taking on Mesquite. Uh, we're both uh, taking Mesquite on that one. Casa Grande taking on Fairfax. We're both uh, siding with Casa Grande. Mm-hmm. Post and Butte uh, hosting Round Valley. And, of course, we're both uh, taking Post and Butte on that one. And uh, finally, our game of the week, uh, we have... Vista Grande hosting uh, Florence, and you're going to take the Gophers while I will be uh, siding with the Spartans. And it should be uh, another great week for football. I mean, how do you feel? I think it's definitely going to be a really good week. I'm hoping hoping for a little bit more out of Vista this week because I'll be honest, when we got maybe to the third quarter of the Casa Grande game, we were like, damn, this is not, you know, this is a blowout. We just got to stick around because we, you know, we had plans for after the game, talking to coaches, capturing some moments. And it, it was really tough to, you know, to watch Maricopa go down like that. I really hope that Vista puts up a fight because I know that Florence is going to take it to him. This is where I see a game that could go by six or seven touchdowns easily. And, and it can go by accident because Florence is just that good. And even when they're 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 going to be taking it easy and just trying to run it down. And I feel like Vista will give them a lot of opportunities to to score. Yeah, I think Vista is going to put things together and, you know, we'll see. We all we hope for is a great competitive game, hopefully a lot closer uh, than what we had uh, last week or when we went down to a Trivium prep. But, you know, either way it goes, we're still out there to support two local teams and are going to have fun uh, being on both sidelines, uh, interacting uh, with the the players and coaches. Uh, either way it goes, I'm, I'm really excited to see what type of environment that Vista Grande brings, you know, whether it's in the band, whether it's in the fans and, you know, how well is Florence going to travel with their fans and, you know, their crew, because it could uh, turn out to be a very packed house, uh, being that both teams are so close to each other. But uh, I know one thing we did forget uh, to do. Uh, We usually do it at the beginning, but we uh, saved it for the end, uh, which was our breakout players of the week. And I've got to say on the offensive end, this was one of the toughest decisions to make this far this early in the season. But uh, I will give you the honors to announce uh, the Offensive Player of the Week. Our Offensive Player of the Week goes to a Poston Butte Bronco. Gavin Thrower, you are our Offensive Player of the Week. Again, you had 28 carries, 259 yards, and four touchdowns. You yourself are a main reason why that team stuck around. So congrats. And one of the biggest surprises for uh, me is that he didn't get to play last year uh, due to injuries. So to see him come out in week one against a Higley team and rush for over 250 yards uh, and four TDs, I mean, I the sky's the limit for uh, Gavin. And I'll move into the defensive player of the week. So for two weeks in a row, it was Elijah Fields out of Santan Foothills. But we're still going to keep it in Santan Foothills, but give it to Mr. David Roboloth as he recorded 12 tackles and had two uh, big uh, interceptions on the defensive end. I mean, he stood out to me the most. So uh, the defensive player of the week gets to stay in Santan Foothills for another week. Uh, But big congratulations, David. Way to step up for your team and help your uh, offense be able to uh, have some good field position. And I can't wait to see uh, what he does next week. But finally, let's move into our special teams player of the week. I will let you uh, have that one. 
who do we got this week? All right, let's stay in the Santan Valley and Santan Foothills, for a matter of fact. And let's give the award to Emilio Soto. Emilio Soto, you are our special teams player of the week. With your three returns, 120 yards, and one of them being a 66-yard long return, it was an excellent day for you. You were a, you were a key part in keeping Santan Charter away. And congratulations to your team getting another win. And I really, really wish you guys well this week against Apache Junction because it's going to be a shootout. Yeah, and averaging 40 yards per return, I mean, you're going to set your offense up for uh, success each time you're doing that. So great job, Emilio. And uh, to all the uh, breakout players this week, I mean, y'all did a fantastic job of helping your guys' team. And we looked forward to seeing uh, this week uh, who's going to outshine everybody else because now all the teams, their seasons have all kicked off. It's going to be something fun to keep track of uh, week to week. I think that's all we really have as far as uh, this week goes. Uh, you know, do you have any uh, anything that you would like to close on? One final thing I'd like to bring up before we close. We're still doing the raffle for the Leticia Cavazos Memorial Scholarship Fund. And you guys have the opportunity to win two tickets to either a U of A and Oregon game or a Washington and Arizona State game. Um, we got a couple of people that have entered already, and one of them actually has $20 worth. So they're in a very strong standing to win one set of tickets. So uh, if you really want these these tickets, I mean, you're going to pay more for maybe parking and a hot dog. So, I mean, this is a great opportunity for you to get out the county, visit your favorite college, and, and enjoy a game. Because that's one thing that I remember we enjoyed a lot while being in high school was taking the trip down to Tucson. Um getting good parking, stopping at a Circle K, getting some food and something to drink before we head to the stadium, and then just have a great time. Uh, there's so many great moments that I can remember at Arizona Stadium, and I just want some of these kids to have that same experience. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the biggest things that uh, I think a lot of people forget to realize is all the proceeds are going directly to uh, the scholarship fund to allow two students, at least, depending on how much uh, we uh, raise by the end of the school year, but allow them an opportunity to uh, further their education and athletic careers. And, you know, so you're only helping them, you know, regardless of who it goes to or, you know, how much money we raise, you don't realize how much each uh, person is going to appreciate knowing that their community helped them to uh, have a little bit more pocket cash or whatever we can help them uh, pay for with this scholarship fund. But, you know, just con continue to enter this raffle and sign up. Uh, we're definitely going to have another one later on in the season. So be on the lookout for that as well. But but I think we can end it there, brother, and we'll meet up again on Friday. And I'm looking forward to uh, to traveling back out to Casa Grande uh, and to see a great game between uh, two uh, great opponents. Do you have any last words for us, brother? Take it easy. <laughs>